Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. come through an entire summer of doctrine, nine different doctrines, nine different dragons, and unfortunately this will be the last time that you get to worship in the Christ castle. This is going away, and some of you are very happy about that, and I appreciate your patience and perseverance through the summer. And some of you are sad about that, but if you're very sad, you can own this for all time. This is your opportunity this afternoon to own a piece of Crozet liturgical history. But it's been a journey, right? And over the course of the summer, I've had so many conversations with you about the kinds of things that we believe in that actually have impact. It's not an overstatement that in Christianity, sometimes there are so much doctrine, so many things that we believe that it can be difficult to sort through it. It can be so hard to figure out what we do believe versus what we don't believe, what this denomination practices and preaches versus another denomination. But ultimately, it all comes down to today. Do we have faith in what God has told us? Do we believe? Do we believe when there is no proof? And that's really hard for some of us. We live in a world that loves proof, loves to dig things up and examine them and figure out what was right and what was wrong and what really did happen and bust myths. We love to know exactly what went on so that we can possess knowledge. I think we are wisdom-hungry people, and I think God created us to be that way. And that's a good thing. God has a lot of wisdom that God wants to share with us. In fact, there are 66 amazing books of wisdom that God would love to share with us, if you ever feel so inclined. And so God has given us this incredible gift of mind and rational reasoning. We have so many faculties available to us to help us learn and discern the truth. And so we journey on that. And that's not just a journey in the church. I think it's a journey of humanity. And we celebrate that. We celebrate the cultivation of knowledge and seeking divine wisdom. But at the same time, it can be overwhelming. As someone who has gone before the Board of Ordained Ministry twice and been grilled on my theology, and I do emphasize the grilling part, it is grueling to try to encapsulate what we believe. And I want you to know that our Board of Ordained Ministry in the Virginia Annual Conference places a very high level of competency on theology. It is very important to them that we who have the ministry of the word speak the truth to you and do it correctly. Because as we've explored this summer, there are things at stake. And whether or not we understand our faith properly will help us to either build the kingdom here or keep people out of it. What we believe and how we embody that with our words and our deeds and even the testimony of our lives will determine whether someone outside of our communion currently ever wants to come in. Because our words 
can hurt. They can pierce the heart. They can rend it so that it feels like it can never again be knitted whole. We experienced that when people started speaking hate so recently in our community. We also understand that whether or not we, under, we completely embody some of these doctrines determines whether or not we serve the least of these. That we reach out in love and compassion, embodied in acts of kindness and mercy, so that those who are currently suffering in this world understand that despite their pain and suffering, God does not wish that for them. We are not a people who believe that God seeks to punish, but instead to free us. Amen. And so our faith is vital. It's not just something we stand up once and read the Apostles' Creed and we're done. Instead, it becomes who we are. It is part of the fabric of our beings, or it should be. And so today, when I told the kids, do you trust God? Do you trust? Because there are plenty of things that want us not to trust God. There are plenty of things that say, you know, if there really was an ark, we should be finding pieces of it. You know, if God really did do this, shouldn't there be some kind of archaeological evidence? I believe that if God really wanted us to have tangible proof of every single thing in 66 books of the Bible, that we would have it. I believe that if that's what God wanted to do, there would be a giant ark literally resting on Mount Ararat. However, God has decided that it is not going to be limited to your mental faculties or your physical abilities, because there are many world religions that require you to go, to make pilgrimages, to journey. They require all kinds of physical contortions and movements, and we do not require that. God and Christianity has liberated us from all of that, so that if you were to find yourself a quadriplegic and bedridden, you can still be a Christian. If you were to find that your mental faculties were not what other people think they should be, or your IQ is not high enough as other people would like it to be, God says you can still be a Christian. And in fact, you might be a better Christian than those who think that you can't be. So at my last church, it was the time when the, the youth were entering into confirmation classes, and one of our youth had an older sister who was 19 years old at the time, but because of an accident in her infancy, she had had delayed motor skill development and actually it had been disabled mentally. And so even though her body was that of a 19-year-old, her emotional capacity and her mental capacity were pretty much capped around 12. And that inhibited her in a lot of ways in the world. But in the church, she could be just as Christian as the rest of us. And so her parents came to us and said that as her sister was looking to be confirmed, she wanted to be confirmed too. And it started a dialogue in the church about, can that happen? Look at all that we put our youth through in order to be confirmed. We teach them doctrine. We teach them the history of the church. We teach them theology. We read scripture with them. We even, hopefully, give them some insight into the polity and why the church runs the way it does. Can we really expect her to do all that? And we were missing the point. That is not why the church is here. The church is here to edify believers and make straight the paths of the Lord so that all those who wish to come to the cross can. And if she says, I want to be confirmed, then who am I to get in her way? And so we decided that if she asks that God's grace is sufficient to cover 
the void that we perceive to be there. That God can not only bathe her in grace, but strengthen her to do exactly what she has to do in her walk in faith. And it is not our job to judge her on that. And so when she knelt before the altar of God, we laid hands on her and she was confirmed to the fullest membership of the church, regardless of what anyone else may say. That is what the church should be. The church should be a place where those who feel that they are less than because of what the world says, when the world says you are handicapped, you are disabled, you are less than, you are incapable, you are unworthy, the church says absolutely not. You are everything that God can make you be. God is capable of overcoming every weakness. And just because I have fully functioning informed body and my mental capacity is supposed to be at proper working does not mean that I am any more perfect than anybody else. We are not a people of perfection. That is not who we are called to be. We are called to be servants, humble, loving, open, I was telling the last worship service that I love the fact that I stand here and there is a center aisle that leads right out into the center of Crozet. I love the fact that when you leave here, you go directly out into the center of our town and you start living what it means to be a Christian disciple. Because there are other ways in which we might think that our faith is limited. Now, not all of you would pass the Board of Ordained Ministry exam. And that's good, because that means I have a job. But that's not the point either. When it comes to being clergy, we constantly remind ourselves that we are not better than the pew, that the pulpit is not superior to the pew. The fact is that we are partners together, and that I bring gifts, and you bring gifts, and there's many more of you. Your gifts are way more abundant than mine. And that together... We do everything in our ability to remove hurdles, to leave behind those things that were part of the church that became obstacles and barriers for people so that they literally can walk straight to the cross and embrace the grace of Jesus Christ. That is our job. And when we gather together, we have to rethink who we are. There are Christian denominations that say, you have a job to do. You show up for worship, you tithe or give your gifts, whatever the stipulation is, and then you have checked your box. We are not box checkers here. We are box packers. We pack boxes and we give them to people full of food, but we aren't checkers. And I said that, and then you check boxes on your connection card. Okay, ignore that piece. But that is not who we are. You are not important to me because of the box you check. But it is important to me that when you check a box on here, that you are paying attention to what your connection is to the church. That is important to me because I look at what people do culturally and I think about whether it's appropriate for the church or whether the church should be offering something else. And one of the things that I have noticed, which my family did not partake in, are family reunions. Y'all ever did a family reunion? Okay. So if you've ever seen that, I'm amazed at the number of people that will travel from all over the country and sometimes all over the world to gather in one place and wear matching t-shirts just so that they can reconnect to people with whom they share some kind of genetic tie. 
I'm blown away by that. I spend a lot of time trying to avoid people to whom I am genetically tied. <laughs> so I am really amazed by that. And I think to myself, why don't we think about that on Sunday morning? You're not coming here because you're a member of the United Methodist Church and Methodist worship. That's not it. You are coming here because this is a family reunion. This is our family of faith. And I watch you. Did you realize how loud y'all were in Passing the Peace? Y'all loud. That's great. That's what we want. But not just to the people that you've known forever, not just the people that have been here for as long as you've been here, but with the people you don't know. The people who you look at them and you go, you know what, I really should know your name, but I don't. So a couple weeks ago, I was standing here and I was looking at somebody who comes all the time and I was like, I should know this guy's name. I should know his name. And so finally I walked up to him and I said, look, can you please tell me your name again? Because I should know it. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know it, but I see you every Sunday and I want to know your name. And they told me their name. And I was like, thank you so much. And it was okay. It's okay to ask their name. It's okay to be like, we've, we've, sat, we've sat in the same church for like four decades and I still don't know your name. It's okay. It's okay. We're, we're getting better as we go. And so you want to be family. You want to embrace. Because when you come here, it's not from the mentality of, I come here and God, you better give me something good today because I could be watching football. That is not what's happening here. And if it is, stop it. That is not what's happening here. Instead, we are coming here because we understand that when Christians gather together, especially Christians who have committed to faith together and to walk this crazy journey we call discipleship, people who have committed to each other, they come in here, and sometimes you come in here and you are like, God is awesome. This is fabulous. And you are here to edify someone. You are here to reach out to them in love because it has not been an edifying week for them. And they need to know that there are people that are invested in them and care. They need to know that they are not alone. They need to know that they are bigger than the culmination of their sinfulness. They need to know that grace is for them too. And sometimes just by saying hello and having a conversation, you bathe them in grace. And some of us come here because it has been a week of nightmarish hell. It has really been bad. I don't want to look at my bank account anymore. I don't want to watch what's going on with my investment portfolio. It has been an awful week. Do you know what she said about me? Have you been on social media? And I just need a place where I don't have to deal with that, where no one's going to judge me by how I look. No one's going to say anything about my hair. No one is going to make fun of me because of the way I talk. Instead, I can just come here and be a child of God. And we, you and I, determine whether this is that place. This is not a sanctuary unless we make it one. We determine whether or not grace is in this place. And if we embody that, then people who feel completely ostracized from their genetic family will come here and realize that there is something stronger than blood, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And so grace bathes us. It changes who we are and how we look at one another. And if it doesn't, then we are doing something wrong. When I look at that text, and it was very short, it was only two verses, versus all the incredible stuff that Lucinda read to you. Only two verses to say that faith is a gift. You are not worthy. You can never be worthy. You can't work yourself into worthiness. But instead, that it is God's gift for you, on your best day, 
on your worst day and every day in between. That grace is yours. And as Christians who are called to live in community, we have to live that out. That not only is grace for us, but it's for everyone. Everyone. It is for every human being that has ever lived, that's ever going to live, and that is alive right now. And our job, our duty, is to live out our faith. And sometimes people will ask us questions about our faith. And you know what? It's okay to just say, I trust God. I trust God that God has this. I don't have to know all the semantics. I don't have to know all the doctrine. I don't have to be able to quote for you Jeremiah 3.13. I just have to be able to trust God and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is nudging in our hearts. Sometimes it's nudging in our heads. And sometimes it's nudging from somebody beside you going, that's you. They need you. Wherever it is, can we listen to the Holy Spirit? That's the question for Christians. Can we listen, one, and can we respond? Can we do what we are supposed to do? Now, you got to hear our praise team from our 8.30 contemporary worship, soon to be 9.30, contemporary worship. They are incredible. They can sing. They can play. They can do all of that while standing and moving. These are incredible gifts that I don't have. You may have them, and we will find out if you do. If you have those gifts, then God is saying, welcome to the kingdom. If you don't have those gifts, then guess what your job is to do? To edif- listen and edify those who do, right? And let's be honest, there are plenty of spiritual gifts in the church where you're like, that is just not my thing. That is not my thing. I don't even enjoy it when other people, it's their thing. But you know what? I'm going to suck it up because there are people that don't like my spiritual gift. There are people that don't like my thing. But we are called to be here together. How many of you have ever sat through a recital or a concert for someone that you deeply love but do not love what they are doing? Right? (laughs) I can't tell you how many dance recitals my poor father sat through. And he's like, I see her dance all day at home. Do we really have to go sit here all day and watch it in, a, in, in an amphitheater? Do we really have to do that? Does she have to wear that much glitter? Yes. <laughs> yes, she does. And the truth is that that kind of edification that comes from doing your very best on stage is no different than the church. That the edification that comes from doing your very best for Jesus Christ because other Christians look at you and say, that was awesome, is amazing. Does it not feel really good to be part of something that changes lives? That's who we are. And we're not just bumps on a log or booties in a pew. We are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is strong. It is incredibly mobile. It is flexible, the likes of which yoga would be jealous of. Because we can do things together that none of us can do on our own. And so we gather together because our faith is stronger than our fear. Our faith is stronger than our fear. And if we don't gather together when it is difficult, when it is inconvenient, when we really just don't feel like it, on days like this where you're like, this was great nap weather, on days when we could think of a million other things to do, if we don't get up and come and do this, then I have fear 
that someone in their moment of need will not have us here. And so we come and we gather because I might miss someone that you will catch. And I might meet someone who needs to meet you. And so our family grows. And our family has been growing. Our family has been growing every week. Every week our family of faith grows. And it doesn't grow because of me. It grows because of you. I'm not going to your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends and your brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, neighbor, and saying to them, you should come here. You say that. And then you are here with them. We are just the ones that are showing them the way to the cross. And together, we grow the kingdom. Together, we build it here in Crozet. And together, God gets the glory. That is why we do what we do. And if we are willing to commit to this, if we are willing to say, God, I don't know what you are doing right now, but I'm in for the ride. If we are willing to say, God, I'm really confused and quite frankly, I'm a little agitated and irritated, but I'm going to hold fast to this because you've never failed me before. So let's do this. If you are willing to commit to this, to barreling through whatever it is that is in front of us, I have no doubt, none whatsoever, that God is going to do something that is going to drive every one of us to our knees and praise. That God can do things here that we can't even fathom yet what God can do. Because the last year that I have been here has been incredible. When I have clergy that come up to me and demand to know what it is that I did for Easter, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they say, how did you get so many people at Easter? Does anybody remember how many we had at Easter? 815 on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday morning. I know that God can do incredible things. 815 people gathered in this sacred space, encountered the grace of God, and worshiped to the highest heaven. This is who we are, and this is what we are called to be. And unfortunately for you, you've already proven to me that you can do it. And so we're going to do it again and again and again, until 815 is a regular Sunday in September. We're going to do it. Because this is what God calls us to do. Because that's 815 people who understand that no matter what the world says to them, they are beloved, they are known, they are of sacred worth, and they belong to Jesus Christ. And that is what we do. And so we do this together, or we will not do it at all. We either recommit ourselves to growing and humbling ourselves. And trust me, there's going to be a lot of humbling. I'm already feeling it. We're going to humble. But I'll tell you what. When I get down on the ground with our kids, it's a beautiful thing. I see the world in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed children. And I think, God, you are doing something really right. And I just want to be a part of it. So let us take our place Let us use our faith to overcome our fear and let us continue to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior here in Crozet. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org 
to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.